So here we are again. We are back to find another topic to talk about in the perspective of Western medicine and yoga. I'm Stanford. And this time we picked masturbation. I um, have to say, as we were pre-chatting, this seems to be one of the topics that has the most attention from my social media or the handle that I've got um, from my followers. So yeah, Colin, why are we talking about masturbation? Well, as a subject matter, it kind of it, it brings up a lot of issues, doesn't it? It's one of those sort of things that if you think about it, you, you know, is it is it is it it's a, is it a personal thing? Is it a private thing? Is it a secret thing? Is it something that you do alone? Is it acceptable? Is it unacceptable? Um, do you do it when you're in a relationship with someone else? Is it an urge? Is, is there something wrong if you do it? Is there something wrong if you don't do it? What's its use? What's its function? What's its purpose? Um, are there boundaries around it? It, it? What's the expectation around masturbation? Is it appropriate or not appropriate? Is there a difference in masturbation dependent on genders? I think it's a, a, a an actually a huge area and also one of discomfort for a lot of people. Um, so I, I'd like to sort of begin to discuss it from a yoga therapy point of view and look at it from a yoga therapy point of view. Um, and Stanford, what, what about you? What, what's your feeling around this topic i just thought it's a good topic to talk about really mm-hmm. um i find it interesting because as we were thinking of different subject matter to think about this is one of the topic that is slight, as you said slightly controversial and almost i would use the word taboo because it's something that we don't really talk about that much yet is so important and personal intimate and almost essential in our life because i feel like there, there really wouldn't be many people who haven't masturbated one way or another. So the definition, I'm just going to give it right out there, which is to um, touch or rub yourself or sometimes someone else's sexual organ in order to give pleasure. And the sexual organ is not just the genitals, so penis, scrotum, uh, in male, um, clitoris, vulva, in female, but also the breasts, the nipples. Sometimes for some people it means anus, sometimes it means actually the mouth or other part of skin that everyone have different sensitive parts. So I think to have the ability to sell pleasure by like touching oneself, um, I think so important. And I think I almost, I don't know, as a psychiatrist, I like to almost expand a little bit. It's more than just physical touch, but also kind of mentally touching different parts of the body or recalling certain experience. These are all comes into the realm of self-pleasuring. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I thought it's, it's just so fascinating. And why wouldn't we spend an hour talking about it? Cool. I, I... Yeah, I like. I really like what you said because what we can do is, as I, I lay just a bit more of a foundation, a bit of a context with regard to yoga's perception. First of all, based on firstly the Kali Yuga, but also um, I like what you just did, which is you separated it out into different areas, which is what I'd like to do as well. Is and I agree with you because it's not just um, about the body; it's also about the senses and also the mind. And the energy of the system that's also involved in this. So from a yoga perspective, we've got to sort of build out what is going on on a sensory basis, what's happening with regard to the energies within the system, what energies are involved in this, how do you work with those energies, but also to look at 
what's happening in the body. So what, how the tissues are within the body and also the mind. And the mind is very much in the background sort of running this. And there was the emotions with regard to this as well. So for me, these there's kind of four separate areas within that that I'd like to look at today. Um, what about yourself? <laughs> well, I don't know. I'll follow your lead and see what, what, what questions I come up with as we go along. Oh. In, to just to give you some context of, of yoga's perspective, um, we're in a, a kind of like a very sort of strange time for an Indian perspective. We're in something called the Kali Yuga, um, which started roughly about 7,000 years ago. And under the Un, you know, under the influence of the Kali Yuga, there's the sort of these four main principles of being measured or being open hearted as well, being merciful and being truthful um, are gradually eroded to actually give place to greed, deceit, fakery, theft, treachery, cheating, quarreling, fighting, deceit, vanity. And normal people, instead of directing their mind and their life towards a higher purpose, or a higher power into a higher truth, instead turn towards seeking attention, risk-taking, drug and drinking and desire and lust and sensory intoxication and unreasonable sexual activities. So for me, the context of what I'd like to talk about within yoga is within the boundaries of those areas, because we just get a bit more understanding with regard to what's happening with the mind, with the senses, with the body and the prana, also the boundaries that are happening within the system when we're looking at it so sort of yoga is giving it sort of within the context of the age that we're actually living in okay so has there been progression how much people enjoy sex then in this chronology well if we start to look at it what i think that we're seeing is that if you take some of the yoga texts and some of the older yoga texts um, they looked at interactions between male, you know, male and female. They looked at those interactions. So discussions between different people. So you had these discussions, you had these relationships, you also had recommendations. So you take a text like the Yoga Yagnavalkya Samhita. It says that there should be intimacy between two people on a regular basis. And that intimacy is very, very important. And I'll come to talk about that intimacy later on. Um but what I find very interesting is that when we start to look at other texts, like the Sankhya Karika, we start to look at Yoga Sutra as well, is that what we start to do is we start to see that these texts sort of define that we've got five senses of action. So I've got the capacity to speak to you, Stanford. I've got the capacity to grasp in my hand my cup. I have the capacity to be able to move my legs and to move myself in space. I have the capacity to use my anus and my genitals to express myself so these become five methods of expression so we're not very sophisticated as i keep saying in the way that we express ourselves and what we're also finding is that we start to use different combinations of those and so for me the use of the genitals is actually an important sense um so this is the first thing is is it's an important sense but the question is how do we use that sense and also what's involved in the use of it as well? Um, and the reason I'm saying this is that I, I, I've actually come across a number of different case studies. Um, case studies who've come to me with people who actually, they've found themselves in different situations where 
they've been working and you know very stressfully talking or doing something like a sales job and having the need to actually go masturbate during the actual doing the day and come back again and I started kind of like sort of in a way just looking and just a bit strange when someone actually sort of explained this in a in a, in a consultation and the first time I came across this I was a bit sort of like taken aback but actually there's actions like this are more commonplace than you can possibly imagine um, I've also got case studies with people that have to masturbate as a transition so the movement from actually the end of the day to going to sleep um within when we look at um menopause and you're looking at actually those people that go through a menopause process the use of masturbation or the use of actually interacting or using the genitals becomes very important with regard to and has a function with regard to this so at first, I thought it was a bit strange when I first started looking at this. But then over the last 20 years of working with people, I've sort of discovered that actually there are mechanisms involved in masturbation and there are mechanisms involved with the genitals. And it's not just about, let's say, one pleasuring oneself. There is actually a lot more going on with this. Um, so I want to start with firstly looking at the genitals as a sense. They're a sense of interaction. You use them as a sense of action you express yourself through the genitals i love your first case study example because that reminds me of the movie wolf uh, the wolf of wall street where <laughs> inside there's one of the guys who gave that example and advised one of the juniors and um, these are like i think stock market people and they're like um in order to keep the mind sharp and also you have to you know react very very quickly to numbers and things like that you have to beat it beat, beat off like not like not pedestrian numbers like once a day you have to go like three four five times a day it's like i remember watching that movie thinking that's quite shocking but now as you illustrate in the case study that seems to be less shocking but it's more commonplace than i think what i find as I was listening to you, it was intriguing is I think it comes back to a kind of a conversation we have time and time again is how to how do we get to know about ourselves? And I know sometimes we differ on on our viewpoint, because I remember you often say we need to keep going to the well, expressing ourselves, interacting with others in order to learn and understand ourselves. Whilst I usually would say and I'm not just talking about masturbation here, but uh, the conversation you have within yourself, the interaction with you have within ourselves is actually very, very important. And that's why I think in some way the masturbation as a self-pleasuring tool or technique or activity, whatever you want to call it, is actually incredibly important. Because as you said, yes, be able to express through our genitals is important, but from my point of view, or maybe like a psychosexual point of view, actually finding out what, stimulate yourself is or i think is so important as well like what actually as the name suggests what actually give yourself pleasure so i said already sometimes it's starting with the senses not just the physical sense of touching parts that is erotic to you a lot of the time smell is a very important thing you know that that's how the whole perfume industry and aromatherapy works is what smell actually soothes you what smell stimulates what smell actually you find sexy and erotic and so on and so forth actually knowing what gives you pleasure but at the same time also mean what kind of turns you off is also very important and I think that distinction through kind of the exercise of self-pleasuring is kind of the main thing where do you like to be touched where don't you like to be touched what would you like to see and what don't you like to see what would you like to hear what's a sound is it a moaning sound is something else is is a name calling we don't know but it's these expressions 
and also um, taste as well, because actually not just our genitals, not just our hands being sensitive, our lips are actually incredibly, incredibly sensitive. I was um, giving a talk on, I think, neurophysiology the other day and was just looking the sensation part of the brain, like how, which part of the brain is receiving all these sensation information. If you map out the entire body, you can look it up. I think I talked about it before, humunculus. Um, it's a little man that with really, really massive hand and really, really massive lips, but actually relatively smaller body in, in comparison, just because there's so much more nerve endings in the lips, in the hands areas. So actually, again, how do we explore? How do we kind of find out um, and express what we like and dislike. I think that's what I find is interesting um, as important about this. I, I do agree with you. And because there are two journeys, you know, one is a journey with regard to, with regard to the relationship that we have with ourselves and the discovery of what we like and what we don't like. And the other is the, journey with regard to the relationship that we have out into the world and the coherence of the two so i think that actually what you're also discussing is you're discussing some idea of honesty as well within that journey and that's what you know when, when i was looking at um you know the aspect of change within the kali yuga when i was talking about truthfulness when i was talking about honesty here i'm looking at these relationships the relationship of one that isn't you know, alone, isn't private, isn't secret, isn't, it, but it is personal. And it's one that actually is honest as well. Um, because the relationship we have with ourselves, the, the promise of yoga, which I find very interesting, is the coherence with the relationship with ourselves, with the, with the relationship with the world. So the coherence between those two things. So that what's happening is we don't have double standards. So we, you know, we wouldn't judge someone else for masturbating, but yet we masturbate ourselves, you know, that kind of double standard um so i i do actually agree with what you're saying and i think that becomes important um those parameters are very important with this and that kind of leads me to the mind and looking at the mind with regard to and the habit of and the practice around and the reasons for masturbation because the next thing for me is is looking at this with regard to is it a bodily urge i remember one of the first questions um that was asked on numbers of different trainings that we've been doing is is what i want what i need and is what i need what i want and to really start to understand the idea of what is drawing me what what, what what's actually happening because urge like to eat something to do something but actually, is it what I actually need? Um, because the knock-on effects of eating or consuming something or masturbating or, or all these different things have knock-on effects within the system. And so does that make sense, Stanford? Yes. So for me, I'm starting to look at the mind. I, I want to understand a bit more about the patterns, the habits. And especially when I'm working with people, I want to understand exactly you know what's going on so someone will say to me you know i seem to be masturbating quite frequently at the moment you know two three times a day is that okay is that normal and i want to understand a bit more i want to understand the reasons behind why they're doing it what why are they doing it what's the the reason because if something is becoming too much so 
in yoga we look at a number we look at um if something is in excess or isn't used or if there is a wrong use within it and again i'll come into this in a minute um so i'm just kind of wondering what's going on in the mind what's actually happening how someone processing and why they're using the genitals is it done in a healthy way or is it an actually is there something i need to be aware of i think speaking also from the mind because i was thinking contemplating the question why well first of all why sex sometimes a taboo subject to discuss um, and more importantly why masturbation is almost like a taboo is it culture is it because of the society we live in the community we live in is it religious is it because of language because we would again we talk about different nationality and so on and so forth um i don't really have a good answer i'm not a researcher in psychosexual science but i i thought of a commonality is mo in most people's kind of experience of masturbation is most of the time um, I was listening to this podcast called Unexpe Unexpected Fluid, which is by BBC. Um, actually, a few people have shared example, and I think a lot of people can agree that the first time masturbation happened or orgasm or climax happened, probably somewhere during the stage of late childhood, teenagers years where the true exploration of your own body kind of happened. And at that stage, at the same time, what also happened is like you slowly going through puberty, um, the mind's developing, it's really, really exploring, but also starting to have the distinction between ourselves and our parents. We're no longer being seen so much as a unity. We're starting to have that concept of self a lot more where personal stuff is there. Sometimes there's a bit of privacy. Sometimes you want to have that differentiation between, you know, kind of the concept of self and other people and actually while you explore or why we explore why i explore sexuality it also then become a little bit of a difficult topic to talk to your senior or your parents or your elders about because it's such a personal thing and it's such an intimate thing and i don't know i don't know how many people are actually comfortable talking to the parents about sex in general um but i think when you're a teenager and you are and you know like older children and when you first have that experience it's going to be very, 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 very hard for them to explain or even just verbalize the experience. And somehow I think that will be a bit of ingrainness into the whole experience. Like, oh, that's something that I like to do and it's fun, maybe it's pleasurable, but actually something that I don't really talk to people about. I do get a sense psychologically, maybe that's what's happening. But is that is that to do with the fact that we discover it ourselves and then we then go on that journey alone within that and we don't have the support around us for that journey yeah potentially because again it's not a topic that most people talk about so the, the the environments where you can openly discuss this kind of thing isn't there and so what we do is it's, it's a little like um when we're helping people um young people to grow up is that we look at our communication with them so we want them to be able to talk to us about various different things and so we're spending time with them to educate them to communicate and to communicate and to communicate without judgment and let them know that we're there to support them and in that way we break down the barriers for them to often hold secrets and to do things very secretly and i think that that becomes important especially when you're looking at um interactions between supportive groups of people yes 
I'm when you said that, I also kind of going off of off a tangent in my head. Is having a secret always a bad thing as well? Is it are there something that meant to be more secret? Or in I'm going to use an, another word that is something meant to be more private. But doesn't this link to boundaries as well? Because again, when we look at any of these type of things, you've got coral, you know, codes of ethics and moral conduct as well around sort of sexual behavior, which are very, very important indeed. But if we kind of foster sort of secrets and if we foster sort of or, or letting everything out, if there isn't a healthy boundary in place, then I think that we can get sort of certain issues coming and occurring. I don't know what you think. No, I think I think so, because the reason why I said maybe certain amounts of secrecy or privacy is good, because then when you learn to trust someone else like a partner or maybe later on when you are older and this become less of an awkward topic to talk about with your parents, actually it, it sharing what you kept as a personal, private or secretive thing, it becomes almost a sign that you're trusting the other person and it, it builds a different layer to the relationship because again that that what is what I think is important in the concept of self-pleasuring is actually once you've discovered what pleasure you and what turns you off then you get to tell your partner about that and so actually again this both the part of the question the first part of what we discussed today which is is it something that's done alone or is it you know acceptable in a relationship with other with someone else um, is it something that one does privately or is it something that you you are involved health in a healthy way with someone else? So actually it, you break down barriers by being able to communicate about it and not hide it. And but also there's is there something within our culture, within our society that actually judges, let's say, if, you know, let's say one person is masturbating, another person doesn't know about it. And then that person then feels really offended that they don't feel, you know, good enough or sexual enough for, you know, to be in a. Does that make sense? So there, there could be that kind of thing that comes up. That seems to have come up before, in the past, with a number of clients I've had, where they've come to me and they said, "Well, my partner is masturbating, over, and they're using this, this, and this, and I, I feel that I'm having difficulty because I, I want to be intimate with them." So. Yeah, I think I think that's definitely a common thing. And I've had that before as well in my patient group, where almost felt like the 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 concept of having your partner masturbate means that you are not sexy enough or attractive enough or anything like that. And often I kind of almost explain in a way that it's sometimes just a mismatch in your sexual urges. It is not even about the frequency, sometimes simply the timing of the day some people naturally are more i don't know more sexual and erotic first thing in the morning some people like morning sex some people like evening sex some people like midday sex i get i don't know i can i think as all things is an individual need and the individual urges mm -hmm. so it even if the most intimate partners sometimes the frequency and the rhythm may just be slightly different and I think in some way, actually having the tool of uh, masturbation and self-pleasuring is actually quite healthy because then you won't have one side or both sides pented up or with all these urges unable to release. But actually then they can find a time and date and I don't know, location as well where they can have the pleasure together. Mm. I, I, find, I found this, uh, I, you've used a, a couple of interesting words there. You've, you've used urge, you've used release. You've used build up. Um, 
I like those words a lot because they fit very well into sort of yoga's understanding of the, the body, how the body's working, how the energy is working, how the tissues are working within the system. So if I kind of, I, I want to jump back into the mind in a minute um, with regard to the patterning, the memory, the process, but also the use of this for transitioning. Um, but if I, if we could just for a second, just look at the, this, this idea with regard to, the tissues and the movement of liquids that happens through the body into the deepest part of the body into the tissues um the guidance within ayurveda with regard to the sexual use is is they say before 16 not to do it and after 17 not to do it and the reason being is because of the development of the tissues um because the um the use of orgasm, ejaculation, um, any type of liquids that are secreted in lots of different ways, what starts to happen is they actually deplete the system and the depletion causes an issue in the tissues. So from when you consume food, it all gets processed through to the deepest level of the system and the deepest level then comes out through either um, egg or semen if what happens is that this is there is a, a sort of a depletion that ha is happening again and again through the use of masturbation of tissue it, it, there becomes a, a sort of a, a vitiation an agitation of the system itself so what both ayurveda and yoga is looking at is they look at non-activity of something is not good they call this a yoga is there isn't an activity that's happening and but they also look at ati yoga ati means an excessive yoga it's an excess of use of something um and with excess use you can get depletion with non-activity you can also get issues as well with regard to if you think about a system that you don't use so I don't use if I don't use a boiler and then I put a boiler on, suddenly all the valves go, everything starts to go. So and you also have what's called mitya yoga, which is actually it's the incorrect use of the system. So for me, these three things become quite important when I'm asking clients questions about what they're doing, because if I'm understanding that someone is masturbating two or three times a day, are they ejaculating, not ejaculating? Is someone orgasming or not orgasming? Are they using, what's the use of it? Are they using it to actually to relax or to release? So if you look at it within menopause, the action of having orgasms within this actually settles the system, gives a deep emotional release within the system and is actually highly recommended. However, what someone is battling against is the lack of attractiveness, which we discussed with regard to masturbation and intimacy. Do you see what I mean? So there seems to be this kind of thing that's going on forwards and backwards. So I really want to understand the reasons why. I want to understand what's going on, why someone isn't, why someone is, why someone's excessive, why someone's hiding something. Is it actually depleting the system or is it actually that there's a, a buildup of of heaviness in the system and actually the use of ejaculation is really good at actually moving the system and getting the system going so there becomes a benefit from doing it um yeah and i think your example of menopause is really good um another example that i came across in a similar sense is postnatal because mm -hmm. as i i used to work in maternity uh where 
after the birth of a child, sometimes there could have been some damage or tear or, you know, whatever happened to the birth canal in the vaginal area, vulval area. And actually, one of the important techniques is actually the self-exploration afterward. So once the area is healed, obviously don't do anything when the scar tissue is still there, or sorry, not scar tissue, but the wound is still there, the stitches, if there are any, it's still there and still bleeding from site because you don't want to introduce infection um, or potential contamination. But once the area is more or less well healed, it's actually encouraged for women themselves to actually, with clean fingers or clean tools, whatever you may want to, to actually explore the area just to see how the area has healed. What does it feel like? Does it feel safe to go on? Because I think actually, um, or some of the patients that I met in the past, there is an insecurity, as you said, there's a, there's a, there's a worry that, oh, the area is broken or it's, it's no longer the way it was. Actually, it's to familiar oneself again. What is the area like? How am I going to be stimulated now? Or what gives me pleasure? Or what I should avoid doing? So again, coming back to the concept of knowing oneself again. And going down in a similar line, um, as I was researching about the topic, which I'm sure internet is banning or the antivirus is banning a lot of my um, search re um, history, um, it actually talks about how masturbation sometimes actually can be a good tool for people who have body dysmorphia issues, body image issues, or they have gender dysphoria, uh, dys yeah, dysphoria, dysphoria, and they don't quite completely agree with their own body or they feel there's a kind of this incoherence with their body and actually it's a very very good way to physically feel what is happening where is ha everything happening what is good what is bad and and it gives almost a sense of security a sense of connection back to oneself which i think is important what i couldn't quite find um a recommendation is the frequency of masturbation. You said there's a time, there's an age where in yoga and Ayurveda that is recommended for masturbation and not. In Western medicine, there isn't really a recommendation. Um, there's some research that says uh, masturbating, I think, three, four times a week is helpful for men uh, against prostate cancer, but then that later on who seems to disprove it. So I think the jury is still out there. What I turn to is actually Chinese medicine a little bit, because that's kind of where I grew up a little bit more and hear a lot of things as I grew up. And there's a saying called um, one drop of semen, or I would use the word essence instead. One drop of essence is created by 10 drops of blood. So just to give the importance of kind of sex, masturbation, climax, orgasm, so on and so forth. Because in the Chinese medicine concept, um, essence or semen, or I guess in female sense will be the ovum, there is a finite amount of it. It gets stored in, I think, the kidney organs in Chinese medicine, which is not completely the same as kidney in Western medicine, but there's a finite amount that we got born with and you don't want to waste it. So I think that concept is much more um, kind of correlating or coherent to what you suggested earlier on. Whilst I think in the med Western medicine, I think especially for men, there is not a recommendation when should you start masturbating or not masturbating or have sex not have sex outside of the legal construct it's it's interesting because i i think ayurveda agrees with this because it starts with the liquids in the body then moves into the blood and then from the blood it moves into the muscle from the muscle into the fats from fats into bone from bone into bone marrow marrow into the actual essence itself and so it's the deepest it's like when you get very very deep fatigue 
they say there's a there's an issue with regard to the way that the system is actually processing this. But there is also an, another methodology which which comes up in yoga, especially in um, sort of the late 15th century practices with regard to harnessing the energy that is created from the stimulation of this area. Um, so uh, this is this actually becomes quite interesting because you are in one way it's interesting in another way um it, it i like what you said about prostate issues um and it, it, prostate congestion as well and i remember when i was studying ayurveda we were we were looking at the sort of the, the different tubes within the system of the body and um i remember my my teacher was was he, he was very very kind of direct he said you know you've got to clean the pipes regularly and um and, and, he, and, and, and he was saying it in with regard to whatever you know genitals there are you all of them need to be used all the pipes need to be used in the system they all need to use and it kind of really stuck with me you know having that that kind of guidance because when we start to look at congestion and also some of the practices that were given so with regard to the inward moving of an orgasm so the harnessing the energy of an orgasm without actually and this is for both you know whatever gender you're deciding to you know focus on it is that you can harness the energy of that and rather than it being an outward movement it becomes an inward movement and i've actually seen um probably more issues with regard to people working with those practices than actually because for me this is it, it's almost it's it's the wrong use of the actual system itself so i, I think it's, it actually causes imbalance yes i i what you said there uh, i reminds me of some practice i've heard about boxers apparently before they go on to uh, competitions where they before their fights they've been taught or i think a lot of sportsmen actually do the same they abstain from sex for some period of time mm. so that they i don't know I, I i have never done it in their practice so I, I can't say that i understand the feeling but in my imagination is more about them being able to be more aggressive or more frustrated so i think in a normal sense unless you're about to fight someone you know to win a go belt or something i think i think maybe the frustration that aggression they can harness from panting up sex sexual urges may not be the most helpful emotionally speaking but but it's the depletion of energy that actually is the the interesting thing and the retention of that energetic rather than it leaving actually the retention of it within the system um I think that is an interesting focus for many people and the use of that for, let's say, a, a higher spiritual practice. Um, it's interesting, but it's also a, a, a quite a, I think it's quite an, an iffy path to take because if you start to look at what you're doing, you can use masturbation to build up, to build up energy and harness energy because there doesn't have to be an ejaculation with masturbation. You know, it reminds me when I was, when you were talking about touch, it reminds me of when I was working in a hospice and there wasn't masturbation there. Don't worry. It was, it was, it was, it was, but actually getting people to touch their bodies and to connect with their bodies, but actually the energy that it actually brought them by doing it. 
And the same, I think, is true if there isn't a, you know, there is a kind of a buildup of energy that actually you can harness and you can actually work with. Um, there is also the capacity to release tension. Um, and I think that I'm seeing the release of tension, the release of emotion, the capacity to relax with regard to the use of touch and the regard to the use of stimulation of the genitals. Um, I don't know. I don't know what you feel about that, but I, I, I kind of see these are the kind of sort of cases that I see that people don't know how to process emotion, don't know how to transition, don't know how to deal with things or they're overusing or overstimulating other senses. So they find that they actually have to use this as a methodology in order to create a release. Well, in terms of the brain chemistry and uh, apparently it's similar both in male and female brain chemistry, the orgasm is, is a creation, is a rush off like endorphin or any other pleasurable hormones that is inside the brain. And it's, it kind of floods the system with basically happiness and joy, so to speak. Um, and that's, I think, in some way, you, what you say is true. And people can misuse it in a, to the extent of addiction, where, mm. you know, in, in, instead of finding a healthy way or healthy boundary, as you said, of uh, interacting with other people, interacting with yourself, they kind of misuse the technique to just give yourself, uh, give themselves pleasure without actually thinking why do they seek that action in the first place and i think we talked about addiction in the past and it's very going along the line of very similar um, discussion that actually yes it, it, there's often the deeper issues if you are addicted to something that, that the issues tend not to be the substance or action itself it tends to be a problem that's slightly deeper within that need to be dealt with mm. What I find interesting is also the interplay between the different parts of the nervous system uh, for masturbation as well, as you said, like how it works and actually people find more relaxed uh, after the release or the climax or orgasm. Um, most people will be taught the way that is, you know, reproduction is by um, parasympath parasympathetic nervous system, sorry, as always can't speak, as the rest and digest as well as the reproduction, um, reproductive side of the nervous system or the autonomic nervous system, but also very much so you, we still need the sympathetic parts of so the excited, excitory um, fight and flight part of it, because you need to get excited before you actually get performed. So what I found very interesting is actually in some way by having sex, Basically, you kind of have to find a balance between your stress and relaxation level. So I think I think there is a real coordination of your own nervous system because if you're completely agitated and nervous about what is about to come, which sometimes do, some people I won't just say men, some people have performance anxiety and you you can't work. Uh, mm -hmm. But on the other hand, if you're completely relaxed and completely chilled out it can't really happen as well so i think i think having that coordination of the system may perhaps um kind of contribute to the release or the or the relaxation you have talked about earlier on as well this reminds me of a case um that i had recently um which was there was this young person who started becoming intimate with another young person but realized that he were getting too aroused. So they used to masturbate before they would go to have the interaction with this person and become intimate with them. 
And what would happen is that it is that it worked first of all. So actually, they they you know they masturbated, went to this, went and became intimate with the person, and there was just nothing but happiness. And then suddenly, what happened is that they they lost the ability to perform. So because there was an anxiety about the performance, if they hadn't masturbated beforehand, that actually when they turned up, there was a knock-on effect that actually they couldn't then get aroused with the person. Yeah. So the, 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 the stress level kind of inhibit mm. the performance itself. Because mm. there, there are conditions, actually, with regard to stress and anxiety, where there isn't the capacity to masturbate, is there? So you actually can't get an erection um, whether, when there's huge amounts of anxiety and stress within the system, or you can't get stimulated, or the vagina gets dry, or it can't, it, it, you know, it, 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 there, there isn't any, any, is there anything with regard to this that you know about? Or is this something that? Well, in clinical depressions, when you're not just having a bit of a low mood, it's a persistent low mood that's lasting for some time that's not changeable by a lot of external factors. Mm. Um, usually clinically, we say it's some, somewhere between one to three, sometimes maybe even for six months. Um, often loss of libido will be one of the uh, presentation of biological symptoms as well. Um, mm. So yeah, so libido is not just when you have sex with other people, but also kind of self-pleasuring counts. I think sometimes certain medication that you will use give rise to unable to hold a reaction. I think sometimes antidepressant may have that effect. Some other medication or um, blood pressure control medication sometimes have those effects as well. Um, anxiety, again, would be a big one um, just because, again, your, your general stress level is higher and make it harder to hold erection or be stimulated. I think also microvascular disease or well, any problem with um, small blood vessels. So things like long and poorly controlled diabetes or blood pressure issues and things like that. They, these can also cause problems in um, uh, sexual functions as well as, you know, you know impotency and so, so on and so forth. So yeah, there, there, there are certain medical conditions that has this effect but i have a question for you because you brought up kind of gender earlier on mm. is there a difference between male and female in in the biological sex sense um climax or um orgasm so to speak in yoga and your veda sense it's a very good question um and one that i fully haven't got to the bottom of yet if i'm honest with you um, because there are so many differences, but yet so many similarities with regard to how the processes work within the system, but then so many huge variables. So like you said at the end of the day, is that it could be relaxing for one person, but it actually could be very awakening for another. A new number of biological females that I have been working with actually have found, rather than it being relaxing, it's actually been very stimulating. It's actually kept them awake or it's actually, so the time of day that they've come to do something has to, becomes very important. So I would like to say that within all of this, um, whether it's on biological male with regard to retention of semen or, you know, use of using semen and, and ejaculating, whether it's with female um 
biological female do, do you see me? I'm, I'm just kind of like i haven't I, i'd like to give a generalization but i think actually it's is very very specific with regard to building up and harnessing energy using it to stimulate or move something to heat something up to cool something down to increase tension to decrease tension um but what i really quite like is the use of it to release or process build up of of um accumulated liquids within the system and that's for both male and female um biological male and female so it's it's with regard to actually using it in that way but it means that you have to take into account the system so it could be that let's say you, you take a, a a person that has aggravated vata within the system and you get them to do this type of thing it will actually cause more problems in the system but with aggravated capital serious capital within the system actually by doing this it really really helps so again things like menopause things like um when there's a lot of accumulation around the sort of the genital areas the if reason why i ask is because i i really like your answer because uh, and I don't find it vague or anywhere at all. It's, it's because actually I, when I do my research, I come across many, many studies or uh, numbers that they said some, for something like female have longer orgasm, lasting 20 plus more seconds compared to three seconds in male orgasm. Male have more orgasm than female, 95% compared to 69%. And there's a lot of these data. And... I guess in some way, yes, as you said, it's perfectly right. Like, because there's so many differences between the biological sex, male and female, we would expect there's a difference. But at the same time, the process itself is so similar. It kind of almost makes me back the question, why are we comparing male and female orgasm in the first place? Because almost kind of like, would you compare two men's orgasm or two women's orgasms? Like why, why compare? It's kind of like comparing happiness or comparing, comparing sadness and anger. It's like, these are all very subjective and personal experience. Um, I don't know if you want to compare bank account, that might mean, makes a little bit more sense because that is built on the matrix system. But I think in a subjective expert, personal experience, I, I just find it fascinating that I come across so many of these studies and numbers and data. But why, why, the other reason why I ask is I remember certain part of my training. There was a part of my psychiatry training back in the days so I went to an Asia country where a psych psychiatrist, a trained psychiatrist in uh, psychosexual um, sciences um, actually gave us a talk about it. I since then tried to find the source of what he said, the theory that he suggested. I couldn't quite find the book or the paper. So do take what I'm about to say with a pinch of salt. So he said, in general, in general, correlating to the data that I just given, male seems to have sure uh, can come to orgasm much quicker than female, meaning um, male and men's orgasm tend less likely to be interrupted, uh, can get there much quicker. Um, the more kind of stimulation is um, applicable or less are needed in order to get there. Whilst female seems to orgasm in a much slower sense, in the more build-up sense. And he said in some way that may be biological and evolutionary where men's or males' uh, biological destiny or job, whatever you want to call it, is to spread the seed, to spread the genetic material. So actually it is advantageous that you know we can 
go very quickly and then keep going again and again so that you can actually spread the seed. Whilst for uh, female, again, this is again from someone that I've been told there's not any political stance or whatsoever. Actually, it is um, advantageous to have as many fertilization as they can so that you kind of ensure the chance of actually having a healthy fetus healthy baby and passing on the genetics so that's why there's a evolutionary there's a mismatch between the time uh, of uh, time needed to orgasm again i couldn't find the text or the study or the paper that suggests this but i thought it was very very interesting theory in the sense that because it's so interesting Many people try to explain orgasm and sex in so many different, different angles. So not just psychological, not just biological, but also even illusionary. That's why I asked the question earlier on. But it's also it, what it does is it gives the thread with regard to giving and pleasure within these areas. Because actually, in one way, we we think that we've gone further than our evolution. And actually, you know, with regard to pleasuring ourselves or intimacy with and pleasuring someone else, we actually believe we've gone further. We think that actually we're more sophisticated than this. So actually, we're looking at longevity, we're looking at giving, we're looking at pleasuring someone else rather than, you know, just thank you so much. This has really helped me. I'm now offloading and I'm off. Thank you. I've taken it and gone. Do, does it, do you see what I mean? So there's a, but I think within masturbation, I think that there's something with regard to giving to with regard to touching, with regard to self-care as well. So maybe within our evolution now, we are looking at how we give to ourselves in a different way, how we touch ourselves in a different way. And using this, because giving is something that is done without it's a it, 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 does that make any sense yes i was going to make the bad joke of well maybe maybe the way we pleasure ourselves couldn't hasn't gotten more advanced but the toys most certainly have um uh i was going to say as well um well as we were talking about kind of the misuse of self-pleasuring and masturbation mm-hmm. was having the ability to really uh, like getting to know yourself and also having that as a communication channel with your intimate partner is very, very important. There is also a little bit of risk, so to speak, with too much masturbation. Um, and I'm not just talking about shaving or the guilds or whatever you have from religious sense, community sense, cultural sense. Um, actually, there are studies where shows or, or ex- clinical cases that shows um, if you masturbate too, too much, you get too used to the way that you give pleasure to yourself and actually then having sex with someone else, having that sexual interaction, communication with someone else become difficult because the other person can't quite do what you so know, you know so well to do. Mm-hmm. So it then become really, really difficult. And that I think is kind of what you said earlier on is like, then it becomes a barrier of you interacting and communicating with someone else. Yeah, and it's the pattern the memory, the process, the habits, all of these things. That it's why I'm asking these questions because I really want to understand exactly what's going on. And is it actually getting in the way of the relationship with someone else? Or is it that actually it's used to protect oneself within and keep oneself in a relationship in a particular way? It's it's really interesting what you just said there. Um, I, I also 
I, I find it fascinating around I come back I come back to menopause again because I find it fascinating around menopause the use of of not just the change in diet and the use of activity but also maintaining this you know sexual interaction this masturbation all of these things becomes hugely important with regard to hormone regulation keeping everything moving keeping everything going and active so that actually it doesn't that it doesn't it's not not like a cut and that's it non-activity anymore it actually keeps the system working and becomes very important for the system um so for me i, I see numbers of different functions and reasons but i also see the possibilities for a lot of imbalances within the system as well and I think that when we're starting to look at the, I come back to the beginning of this, the, you know, the Kali Yuga, this idea that actually what's happening is that there's a movement away from honesty and truthfulness um, and open heartedness and more into sort of areas of, of dishonesty, of, of taking, of, of vanity, of showing off, of almost in a way our senses are sort of go along with all of this and and there's a separation between us and our senses and we sort of do things that we don't understand why we're doing them or what we're doing them for just out of interest in yoga therapy do you ever do couple therapy because I, I think talking about masturbation the overuse underuse or sometimes maybe even menopause um that a couple therapy seems to be going to be quite a strong tool that you can use because i'm thinking in psychosexual therapy that's definitely something that we do and we get the couples to get you know to come see the therapist together exploring what is difficult what's not difficult and then again actually sometimes masturbation is used as a tool within psychosexual therapy where maybe one partner can masturbate in front of the other partner or the other partner can help and then later on especially with any presentation of sexual aversion um Bovidinia and things like that there's certain condition that actually that is quite useful so I was just wondering if you ever see people together in yoga therapy um in the past yes but not for for this type of issue um so I haven't personally myself but I'm sure that there, there are other people that have yeah there are other specialists out there <laughs> what what's what's come out of today for you I think my take-home message is you have to clean the pipe regularly. I strongly agree. <laughs> How about you? And for me, it's it, it's to do with the transparency of intimacy within relationships and the way that actually you can use this to bridge gaps within relationships. I really like what you said on that. Great. So here we are. We talked almost an hour about self-pleasuring and masturbating. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Stanford. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Thank you for joining. Hopefully we'll see you next time soon. Brilliant. Thanks.